When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Conn. I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports Gordon Parks and Michael Gannon. Guys, if it's not too late to say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Daniel. Did you have a good time? I did indeed, I did. How about, how about yourselves? Good. Good, thank you. Happy New Year, chaps. I don't know yep. if you day, but day four, I'm starving. <laughs> day four, I'm a skint. Well, it's definitely skint, but the Fat Club is underway. And it's, uh, well, it's quite, this is going to be the hardest one yet, I think. <laughs> well, you the pledge yet, Mick? What's this? You signed the pledge? Yes, it is. We're heavy, heavy gains this year. Good. The uh, the best place for us, I think, to start is the first derby of the new year. Uh, Ibrooks uh, on it was on Monday. We're obviously recording on Wednesday. Um, wasn't the prettiest performance, Mick? But at the end of the day, Celtic come away still nine points clear. Yeah, so maybe the old the old cliche, isn't it? The, the mark of champions to, to get results when not playing their playing their best. It was a it was like a strange kind of game, wasn't it? Really, I mean, Celtic started really well, and if you the first twenty five minutes, do you think Celtic were actually coasting it? I mean, um, really in control, knocking it about. Dominic, I mean, I think they had about seventy five percent possession in that first twenty five minutes. Um, the Ibrox crowd were starting to get a bit a bit narky, uh, a bit frustrated. At that point, it looked as though Celtic were going to kick on and win the game very comfortably. Um, but then it changed slightly. I think that wee moment when Joe Hart got himself a bit of a knot, made a great save to redeem himself right enough. But that, it kind of gave the, the home crowd a bit of a lift and, uh, um, and it got Rangers back out of the game a wee bit. Um, it wasn't a, a, a technically very good game, was it? I mean, it was a bit scrappy at times. Both teams were giving the, giving the ball away a lot in the middle of the park. Um, second half, Rangers came out as they thought you might have to. They might have to. Through the kitchen sink at Celtic, got the goals. There was controversy in certain moments, but Celtic kept going. And when they start making changes, when they start bringing on the likes of Jota, Abada, Jakimakis, they've got so much threat on the pitch. Those guys, that it's almost inevitable they're going to create some kind of chances. And sure enough, one one dropped to to Kyogo, and he, and he finished it. And it was a, a good point for Celtic in the circumstances, having not played that great, dug it out. And it's a point that's probably. Giving them that cushion now that they can be really confident about kicking on to win the league. They're in a real, real strong position now. I thought it was surprising, Gordon, when the team came out and, and Johnston was thrown in from the start to make his debut, but I, I thought he did really well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it speaks volumes of how quickly he's adapted and settled. I think he must have shown in training that he's uh, he's hitting the ground running. Uh, listen, competent, safe, composed, good athlete. I think when you've got all those attributes and you're putting Summed into a game that said the mental composure to go and play in a World Cup and do well. I think playing at Ibrox and that. Juranovic came in, funny enough, he made his debut at Ibrox, I remember. Um, that was his first out. Kind of similar, you know, he, he looked as if he'll be uh, an asset. And I think when you've got the confidence from your manager to go into that kind of game, of that kind of factor, it speaks volumes for how highly he is regarded. 
And uh, you mentioned Juranovic there, Gordon. He obviously came on for the injured Greg Taylor. Um, I thought, to be honest, Mickey had a pretty ropey game. If any of the supposed scouts were watching, they wouldn't have been too impressed. But then again, he was at left-back. Yeah, he's played there a lot right enough. I mean, he's not as if he's not, uh, he's not used to that role. He played there a lot last season. Um, when he first arrived, actually, played left-back quite often. Um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't have a great day, did he? Um, listen, there might be reasons for that in the, the background. I think he was talking about him got a wee knock in training, maybe having a bug passing around, and, he, and he's kind of thrown into the environment uh, at left-back when the game's kind of starting to turn a wee bit. Uh, and he had, a, he had an off day. He wasn't he wasn't his best. He um, was a bit sluggish. Um, and he kind of caught a few times um, positionally, a little bit wayward. Um, another flank, I thought, I, I agree, I think Johnson played pretty well. I think he looked a bit nervy at the start, but understandably. Um, but as the game wore on, I thought he got stronger. He's clearly, he's, I mean, he's, He's a, a bit of a tank, isn't he? He's a, he's a real strong kind of physical player. Um, he's got some engine on him. He had a, a, a run back in the second half when, when engines were hitting the break. And he ran about 70 yards and turned on the afterburners. He's also got a bit of pace as well. Mm-hmm. He mopped up the danger. He, he used his strength pretty well. Um, I think he looks like he'll, he'll do the job. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Juranovic and his future. Um, I'm not sure I understand the, the kind of... The, the kind of clamour to sell him at this point in time. I think he's a, a good a good player on a top asset. I know he had a bad game, a, a poor game the other day, but I, I think even in the short term, keeping him would be, would be pretty handy. Uh, it depends on what bids come in. Obviously, if a big bid comes in, then, he's, then they've got to take it. But right. uh, I don't think you get to a stage as a player when you've obviously get people working behind the scenes. There's been so much noise about Juranovic leaving for so long. He goes to the World Cup in his own mind. His psyche is he's gone. He's now... The names are getting branded about to take him. Clearly, turn your head. There's no way that that doesn't have an impact on you, and especially when you've kind of taken one foot away from the club the way he has. Yeah, listen, it, I think he's a player. He's 27 years old. He's never really made top dollar in his career, and he's now he's maybe hearing from his his advisors that there's a chance to make some some right good money. And I'm talking, I mean, it's good money at Celtic, but. I mean, like proper um, superstar money. Like me, look at the money that's available down in England. Maybe three or four times, but he's on at Parkhead at least. Um, so I, 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 everybody would be head turned by that kind of talk. I mean, I, I, I can understand why that maybe have a have an influence. And the also, reason I say that, Mick, is he looked disengaged. There was moments in the game where his decision making wasn't. It was like he was muddled. He, he clearly, it was. Listen, it's not a question of ability. It was something yeah. else, and something else could. Be as his mind, or maybe, maybe, but I think that also goes to the manager as well. I think I get the impression with the manager that, that if you show any signs of, of not being fully 100% focused on being at the club, I think you can have almost become part of what is it he called it back in the day, the bomb squad. <laughs> I think he's um, you're in danger of getting kind of put um, cast aside. He only wants guys that are going to be 100% committed, and if he thinks that he's maybe not getting that or got or won't, won't get that, then he might not play him yeah. uh, from the start. But then, you, then, so he's maybe that mentality that. Well, I'm I'm kind of cast aside here. He's picked the new guy right back, and then all of a sudden you're pitched into a game at left back of 25 minutes. So maybe maybe he wasn't quite mentally attuned for the game. I think um, you pay the price when you're an import export club as quickly as Celtic tried to be now. And I think Juranovic is a classic example of you bring players in, you ele- elevate their value, you move them on for money. You've got another player brought in. Yeah. It, it almost seems to be as if it's. It, it, yeah, but we're not, we're not, we're not dealing here in, in I don't know, in DVD players. I mean, we're talking about human beings who, who do have 
thoughts, emotions, feelings, not as well. So it's not as simple as just get in, do the job, get sold on. You, you've got a family to move and all that stuff, and your 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 serious career. It's not just as simple as just as that as well. I mean, it's, it's, sometimes you've got to slow down the conveyor belt. If you know, I mean, you've already brought. Well, you're in. talking about football players that are built in the Hoover factory and just churned it. Do you know what I mean? Well, what I'm saying it's is, quite as straightforward as that. Celtic have already got Juranovic sold and out the door with the fact we've already brought in a recruitment, a guy that's played in the world. Yeah, but they, also they also haven't had any concrete bids for him yet. Well, true, that's what I'm saying. They can well, he's still a Celtic player. He's still a Celtic player. Until until a bid comes in that, 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 that meets the valuation that Celtic have on him, he should be a Celtic, seems a Celtic player. Um, he's not he's not halfway at the door yet. So he clearly has. Because you've already got the the, the the guy who's replacing him. That's what he must be thinking. He must be building. So Celtic have already kind of subconsciously emptied them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if you're that player and your your replacement's across the pitch from you, then it's it's maybe harder to get yourself tuned in for that kind of environment. It's not it's not been a massive talking point, but just on the the fullback situation, I, I was a wee bit surprised to see uh, Burnaby overlooked when Taylor come off. And if you are Burnaby. You must be sitting thinking, what do I need to do to get a chance in a big game like that? Is that fair? He's a young lad with a lot of potential, isn't he? Um, and it, was a, it was a high-pressure environment. Maybe he just felt that that, that someone with the experience of Juranovic taking take a bolster of things at that point in time would have been a sensible option. Um, I take the point, though, because he's a natural left-back and he's he's always looked half-decent, I think, um, Burnaby as well, when he's played. Um it just might be a slightly cautious move for the manager. Yeah, I, I think he's looking really good as well. That's, that's why I was surprised. Yeah, every time I watched him play, he's got all the attributes to be again import export, come in, do well, move him on quickly. He's. Uh, I thought I was really surprised because no matter what, if you're orthodox left back and you're the option, you, surely you go with that. I, what, I, what, what I would say in that circumstance was that that losing Greg Taylor was a major, major blow for Celtic mm-hmm. because. Greg Taylor has been absolutely superb this season. Yeah, he started the game at Ibrox really, really well. I mean, I mean, Dyson Maida was getting a lot of service and mostly coming down from from Greg Taylor. When Greg Taylor goes off, that that supply line dried up to Maida, and Maida's impact was reduced. I mean, that first twenty minutes, Maida really had um, James Tavernier on toast. But by losing Taylor, that 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 line of, of attack seemed to dry up, and it caused a it caused a major problem. So it knocked the balance of the team, and it definitely reduced that that impact on that flank. What um I mean, Greg Taylor actually on that. I know it's early days, but arguably played of the year so far for Celtic, and you know hopefully he's not out for too long. Um, but just on Dyson Maida as well, I'm so happy, Gordon, to see him, you know, in such top form after the World Cup because I definitely think before the World Cup, fans were getting on his back a little bit. You could see his head was going down, and you know the goal that we, the goal against Rangers on Monday. I'm just delighted to see him doing so well. Do you know he's testament to what you put into a game you get out of it. He's very one-dimensional in the fact that his game's based on incredible work rate. I mean, phenomenal ability to shuttle about the pitch, not only in the, the final third, but he's back, he's pressing from deep. He's got a ferocious appetite to get on, on the ball. I, listen, I was flabbergasted that he actually <laughs> get the nod ahead of Kyogo to go to the World Cup. But I think it justified his selection by playing in a team where the system is all about his effort, endeavour. His touch isn't the worst, but his testament to anybody that wants to make a name in the game, 
the industry will get you to a level beyond because he's not technically a fantastic player, but my goodness, what he puts into the game, he gets out of it. I guess if he was technically all there, Nick, you know, the, the, the full package, he probably wouldn't be at Celtic. Well, I've said that before. Um, that if, if, if Dyson Maida had the, the, the finishing ability of a going or Haaland, then it would be worth going hundred million quid. He's got that he's got I mean his engine appetite and his work rate and he's I mean he's an effective player because he is I mean as parts he said he's he's maybe not the most technical guy in the world. Um he's not gonna do a, a double step over and skin a guy and, and crowd turns and all that stuff. Um but he's his pace and he's he's direct running um unless he can't he can finish I mean he has scored goals he, he misses a few a few crackers are already enough. Um, but you can't fault him. And see, if he had, if he had a kind of Aguero type um, poach, I just think in the box, certainly wouldn't have him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think just to kind of round up talking about the actual Celtic um, performance itself, I thought when the teams come out as well, the difference between the two benches spoke volumes. I mean, we saw Jota come on uh, and make a bit, I thought he made a big difference for the equaliser, you know, his perseverance down the left. Definitely led to it. Jack Amakis as well. That mm, must be really heartening for um, for Postacoglu going forward. Yeah, I don't think we can disguise the fact that a draw eyebrows. Um, I think you've got to really still scrutinise the squads and understand that is there any Rangers player getting in that Celtic team? And I would suggest no. There's nobody. I think Celtic are on a quality level which is far, far ahead of what Rangers are trying to be at the moment. And I don't think Rangers are anywhere close to being there. I think it's a forlorn chase for them. And I think they had to win that game. They didn't. It's another example of uh, the big games, the big moments, and not being able to deliver. And I think Celtic have just got so many weapons. And I think we'll see that now in the months ahead where they'll just pull further and further ahead. And see, Mick, see, just on Jack Amakis, this is just a personal thing, but I certainly feel like there's been a little bit of a reluctance to use him since the games, you know, since the football's resumed. He came on with 15 minutes to go and I thought he made a difference. I think, I know Keogh got the equaliser and look, I love Keogh, a brilliant player. I think the game on Monday would have been more suited to Jack Amakis though. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. He's, he's played well. He played well. I mean, the game at Ibrox last season, he was he was terrific, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2-1 uh, victory at Ibrox um, in February last year. Um, yeah, but again, it's back to what I was saying earlier on about players. If if the, if the manager doesn't think there's a, a full 100% focus and commitment on, the, on being at the club, then he he seems to be a bit more reluctant to to, to kind of um, rely on these guys. I don't think I, as I, a bit of me thinks there's a bit of kind of cutting the nose to spite the face with Jackie Marcus. Um, he might not get the game type of Anderson Kyogo as, as Postacoglu is number one guy up front. That's, that's clear. So, therefore, Jackie Marcus has got a problem. He's not going to be the main man every single week. Um, if he can't accept that role, then that's fair enough. Again, like like um, Juranovic, he's maybe not earned top dollar all his career. and He's getting to a, a slightly older age. Um, he thinks he can play and make some more money somewhere, then, then that's understandable too. Um, I just think it's a bit of a waste. I think Jackie Marcus is a good player, he's very effective. I think the way Celtic play when he's in the team is pretty good as well. These ball, when, they, when they get wingers hitting the byline, he's, he's terrific in that box, latching onto it, as is Kyogo, by the way, who's scored a ball of the goals this year. Um, it's a situation that's it's a tricky one to, to, to manage. Uh, I, I'm not sure. If it's wise to, to chuck at the baby with the bathwater with him, I think he's a player worth keeping. 
But it's up to him. I mean, he's not happy to play second fiddle. There's not a lot he can do because he can't guarantee him game time. Um, import, export, Celtic already a month before the transfer window opens in January. The, there was almost like a, a resignation that he was leaving. Again, that's kind of... Uh, this kind of yeah, they talk about his con. He's not happy with his contract and all that stuff. That's the guy that finished top scorer last season for Celtic. Don't you find it surprising that it's, there's a kind of acceptance, Juranovic, Jamakis, even a month before the transfer window opens, it's already this kind of narrative that they're leaving, and it's almost like wait until the window opens and then they're gone. Import export is too quick. Yeah, it surprises me, especially guys, two guys that were a big part in the, in the title success last year, and, and two big players. I wouldn't be. I said I wouldn't be hurry to chase him at the door unless there was serious money on the table. But this uh, is coming from within the club, right? This has been sanctioned. This kind of uh... well, the manager, the manager said himself that he, he wants to have a. I think he said the phrase, "Don't get too attached to your heroes." So he he is preparing for very quick turnaround of players. He wants to escalate the, the level of quality in the team, and if he thinks he can get a better player, if he can get these two moved on and get better players in, then fair enough. Um, people will be happy with that. I just think I think that might be a bit of a gamble. I mean, someone like Jackie Marcus guarantees is good guarantees goals, and he's he's been over the course of Celtic last year. Yeah. I think you don't know what you're going to get for his replacement. Um, it seems like he's not overly expensive. Economic. It's a strange one for me. But it's economics. It's within the football club. It's a kind of directive. It's almost almost. Well, no, no. That, I mean, if Jackie Marcus wants more money, he thinks he's, he thinks he deserves more money. And the, the club maybe thinking, well, maybe maybe we'll see see what happens. And he thinks, well, I'll go somewhere else. And it's not a lot something can do with that. It's just more the case of getting the best out while he's still here. Um, but I just think maybe he's worth keeping around. I agree. Um, but listen, you got Celtic fans need to trust the manager, I guess, on these things because he's a, he showed he's a great eye for a player. He's not had many failures in the market. So if he thinks he can get a place, Jackie Marcus, with someone else who's better, then then you have to let him charge on with that thought. Mm, absolutely. Um, we have to talk about guys inevitably the one of the big talking points from the game, which is the the corner goal to handball. Um, I, 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 personally, I'm just kind of at a loss as to why a penalty wasn't given. But did either of you guys see it any differently? Yeah, I'm the last guy to go down this conspiracy theory route. But I have <laughs> to say that I've been at games this this season, inexplicable decisions that are even given a second look. I'd gone against Celtic, the Tynecastle, Dundee United, the Ross County one at home. I, I look at these things and think, how can somebody watching the same incident as I'm watching come to a completely different verdict? Inexplicable that that wasn't a penalty kick. All it does is fuel the element within the Celtic support and further afield that believe that there is decisions getting made that are a bit iffy. Now, I have to say, other people have made stronger references to that decision. If you isolate the corner goal someone, how that wasn't referred to VAR, something. How John Beaton didn't go and look at that again, it mystifies me. It's a flaw. Well, the, the reason why, the reason why, flaw, and the individual that's looking at on the monitor, and it's a flaw within VAR that if there's any debate, go and look at it. It's a stonewall penalty kick. Well, that's that's the, the argument the officials will have, and the reason they'll give is this: that on the day John Beaton saw the incident and did not deem it to be a penalty kick. In the background, Willie Collum in the VAR uh, bunker has also looked at it and agreed that it's not a penalty kick. So at that point, he doesn't think there's been a clear and obvious error to be redeemed. Therefore, there's no need for John Beaton to go and look at the monitor. That's the reason why it wasn't done. Because 
Willie Colm didn't think there was a case to be answered for a penalty kick. So therefore, there's no, it doesn't, it doesn't request Beaton to go and have a look at it. Um, for me, I'm not entirely sure how they can be so sure with that. I know. Listen, there's, there's a. I mean, we've seen the IFAB rules getting quoted, and, the, and that's the, that's the kind of, that's the reason that we'll be given that, that there's a reflex action from Golson. There's a, it was pinged up from very close range. His hands are up in a reflex instant to try and to block his to protect his face. Watching it over and over again, it's turned into this. You now that that thing went viral with the dress, it was gold or it was blue or green or something like that. <laughs> it, it, you look at it ten different ways and, and think different different things. There's t- a way you look at it, you think, well, his hands are actually pushing away from his face. If you're protecting your face, would you not cover them towards your face? I don't know. You don't. It's subjective, and it's completely down to. You watch the trajectory. It's almost pushed it over the over the bar. I, I right. I watched, I watched the World Cup as you did, and I'm watching games now week in, week out, where defenders that don't even have a clue where the ball is, if it hits their hands, it's a penalty kick. The question, the question I would have, if that had been given as a penalty kick, would there have been complaints? Yeah, there would have been complaints. But would have been understood? Some people go, well, fair enough. I think, yes. If it had been, uh, I think we've seen penalty kicks given that you go, that's a bit of a strange one, but I can see why. And there's always, listen, the rule books are, are, is so open to interpretation with handball that you can use any word, wording you want to justify any decision. Do you know what I mean? They can, I mean, the, the Burnaby one against Dan United, they say, well, he's making his body bigger, he's right in front of the goals, and he's made the body, his body bigger. I mean, albeit the fact the boy tried to, to, to twist to hit the ball and his arm flew up in the air behind him, he had no idea where the ball was hitting there. But there is a rule book that says, well, it's in front of the goals, it can stop the goals from opportunity, it's apparently. The rule book can be twisted to fit any narrative really you want. And, and likewise, this decision, I can see why the officials didn't give it, I can understand why people would say, why is it not apparently when we've seen this kind of thing given all over the world all, all season? Disappointing thing is you could have put your watch on, your kettle on for this, for a moment of yeah. controversy like think, that. Sadly, listen, he didn't, I mean, John Beaton didn't check the monitor because there wasn't any need to check it because of the way, as I said, I said to you, that, that Willie Collins said, no, you got it right, no clear and obvious error, got him in the game, right? So that's why that takes that out of the equation. However, I just think for because the incident was, I think more ambigu- ambiguous than that. I think it might have been wiser for Willie to say, you know what, I don't think it's a penalty kick. You didn't give a penalty kick, but I, it's a bit of a contentious one. Why don't you come and have an RP kit and have a look? And even if that's not really how VAR's meant to work, which I understand, it might have been aesthetically better in terms of the decision if the, the man making the final call. Had another wee look to say, no, no, I'm right, I'm sticking with it. And I know that's not how VAR's meant to work. It's only meant to return clear and obvious errors. But that was one of those ones that was so weirdly contentious that uh, might have been, another look might have been handy. Um, but as I say, that's not the rules for VAR. As soon as... It's part of my love for the game, I'll be honest. If Beaton had given the penalty kick and Willie Gollum says, no, it's not a penalty, then he goes over to look at it. But by agreeing with that decision... By two officials agree with it, therefore there's no need to look at the monitor, therefore you move on. Here's the problem with VAR, Here's the problem with VAR. We'd be having this conversation in the pub after the game without VAR, right? He hasn't given the penalty, we'd be debating it. But we've now got a system where it should be foolproof, you'd be able to see it, you should be able to make a decision by watching it again and again and again, which I hate, and you should come to the right decision. It tells that's you that's the that's 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 what happened. Well, the comments watched it again and again and again and thought, no. You got it right, bang on, game on, play on. The whole system was brought in to eradicate these debates, but we're now having more and more of them. 
hold on, hold on. It absolutely is inexplicable to me that there's more conspiracy theories now within Celtic about refereeing decisions with VAR than before we had it. But listen, VAR doesn't change the fact that a lot of the rules in football are I... subjective and down to interpretation. And that's so if it's not as if it's the offside calls are, are, are black and white, you can draw the line. But things like the handballs and, 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 and all that kind of stuff, it's still down to a man's opinion and interpretation of the rules. So Willie Collin and John Beaton interpreted the rules that it was a reflex action to protect his face, therefore not a penalty kick. And they both agreed, therefore that's the decision they came to between the two of them. And people might not like that, they might not understand it. And I, and I think it's the, the problem I've got is the consistency, because like we say, a lot of these handballs, not just in Scotland, by the way, it's happened everywhere in England and across the world and the World Cup. A lot of these handball decisions, you go, well, I mean, come on, he can't have meant that. That was just to protect himself. And they are given. Um, you've seen the one in, in Europe, the Celtic, with Matt, Matt Riley against Real Madrid, mm-hmm. the ball's pinged at his chest and it's hit his hands. Um, and you think, well, that's not much you can do about that. But that, was a, pen- that was a penalty kick. See this, so that's, right. see this latest phrase, he was just protecting himself. That's a new one on me. I've never heard that before. That no, no he was really a reflex action to protect himself. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever heard that in my life. What, say is, what the will say is that it's a reflex action to protect his face and his hands are still within his own body shape, which means that if his hands are inside his own silhouette or such and it's in front of his face, or it's not, then it can be not that's deemed that's a penalty kick. Listen to this. I'm just telling you the rules. That's the rules. Nonsense. And it comes down to interpretation. Yeah. I just, I just thought it was, I thought, you know, like you say, mate, just consistency, I think fans want. And the fact that, as you say, it wasn't even referred for a look. It's just. I'm just saying it can't, it can't be referred for a look. I get what you mean because it's not. It would only get referred for a look if they gave the penalty kick. Because right. Polycom thinks it's not a penalty kick. So it's there to, to, to stop clear and present, clear and obvious errors. Mm-hmm. You were a goalkeeper and I've seen you making better saves, right? How the hell did that? My goals nearly did, but I really held it. <laughs> uh, the other, the other uh, talking point I've seen a lot of Celtic fans in, on social media discussing was the fact that um, Rangers' penalty shouldn't have been a penalty. A lot of fans saying that Sakala landed on Starfelt and Starfelt slid, slid next to him. I'm not really buying that one. I think it was it was a penalty, regardless of. I know Scala made contact first, but Starfoot doesn't get the ball. He pulls his leg well, away. Regardless, even even if even if, if um, Sakala didn't stand on Starfield's ankle, did that motion of him sliding in impede the, the player? Yeah, that penalty kick. If you if you're a defender and you slide in like that and don't get the ball, it's a penalty kick for stupidity. So you're you're done. You're bang to rights. It's a penalty it's, kick. I, you can't use. You can't, you're rewriting the. What are you talking about? Listen, if I had a real book written myself, I'd say he's been was stupid. It's a penalty. Silhouette that was the problem inside but the box. I also think that penalty kicks should be awarded for guys who look guilty, because <laughs> it, you can always tell. You can always tell when a defender's given a penalty kick away because they look guilty. They can't help it. They can't. It's like the, the cookie jar. The hand in the cookie jar look. As soon as you see that look, it's a penalty kick. <laughs> Summed up perfectly. It's a nine-five rule that says it's a penalty because it looked like one. <laughs> it's just as well this is audio because look, people don't realise the glasses that you're actually wearing. Look so thick. This is making me look smart for a change. Uh, the, I mean, the upshot of the, of the result, guys, as we mentioned, obviously Celtic remain nine points clear, and 
look, even the most ardent Rangers fan would would think there's very little chance of a comeback, Gordon, in, in the title race. Daniel, I've been saying for months, this is not a good Rangers team. This is a, a Rangers team which needs so much surgery. It needs a complete revamp, not just with the personnel, but with the whole the whole atmosphere around the place. And I have to say that Celtic, taking that point, even if they'd lost the game, I would still be saying the same thing. Rangers have got so much catching up to do, so much recruitment. They've, they've, they've brought in so many average players and they'll have to get a few of them out. Celtic will strengthen. Uh, they have a standard which Rangers can't match and a consistency which is phenomenal. And I think, again, it will be a procession and I, I don't see anything other than that. I don't even see... Um, I, I think the ground that Rangers have got to make up is a bit of a myth because Celtic will just stretch their legs further and further. I would have thought, Mick, it would be one of the biggest collapses in modern football if Celtic didn't win the Premiership from here. Yeah, you're looking at it's nine points with another, with another 20 goals or something like that, so it's 10 points in effect. Mm-hmm. So you know, Celtic drop points, and need like three defeats in a draw, or drop points in four or five games. Uh, they haven't done that in 18 months. So, uh, and Rangers have to be flawless in that run as well. To, to, uh, it does look insurmountable. But Listen, think it's a, there's still 18 games to go, mm-hmm. um, and and football's as we know is weird things can happen. But I think they have got one hand in the title now. That that result um, on Monday is a, was a huge one in terms of the context of the season because a six point deficit, 18 to go, keeps it interesting. But, uh, but the bottom line is this is not a Rangers team that's steaming along at a train behind them. This is a Rangers team that's trying to. Galvanize himself and make a fist of it. There's no yeah, I think I think I think um, Mac Beal knows that himself as well, and he's he's, he's actually quite a, quite a hard situation because he can he can spend the rest of the season just chipping away, um, and then look to look to the summer. Because um, there are big there are big big changes needed at the end. That, that, that squad needs freshened up. Um, so uh, yeah, I think so. I, I just I can't I can't see Celtic losing three, four, five games. And Rangers not dropping points either. Um, I think they're both they both will drop points, but not enough for it to uh, to go right to the wire. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up to this pod, guys, obviously the the January transfer window is now upon us, and it looks like before it even opens, Celtic have, have completed most of their their business. Um, Iwata, the reigning J League Player of the Year, was the latest recruitment. I mean, he's supposed to be a really good player, but it almost feels kind of too easy <laughs> the way Celtic are just dipping into this Asian market for pennies and picking yeah. up really good players it's almost I mean Celtic usually go right to the last use of days of the windows usually it's quite quite dramatic but it's been all very much planned in advance I think I think the manager spoke about it. it's, it's slightly easier to get that market in advance because this season's finished and guys want to get set up for the for the, um, the new campaigns the, 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 the Asian leagues are, are finishing in kind of November don't they um so yeah, so Celtic are in decent shape. I think I think more now is maybe eyes on departures. Maybe I mean Celtic have a lot of players. I mean I don't know how you keep all these guys happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got an awful lot of players. When Wata coming in as well, it doesn't sound like one for he says it one for the, for just now rather than one for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you, where do you play all these players? I mean, if, when guys like a builder guard, I think he'll be going um, either into either somewhere in January or or back to to Russia or whatever. But um, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of players, so I think maybe maybe some going the other direction. Um, but just as you touched on it as well, the bench. I mean, 
that bench at Ibrox, if you're, if, you're, if you're in a tight game and it's the bring on like a Jota and all that stuff, it's, it must be demoralising. Um, so now it's, now it's a case of just managing the squad and trying to keep them all happy, which is not always that easy. And next up for Celtic, Gordon, it's uh, Kilmarnock at home this Saturday and then the League Cup semi-final against Kelly the following Saturday. So, you know, three of the next five home games at home. Uh, sorry, three of the next five games are at home for Celtic. Really, I don't know, they couldn't really be in a stronger position. No, elementary for Celtic. It's also routine. It's, um, again, it's golf and quality again. I don't think it's a great league. I think the fact you've got Hearts sitting in third, Hibs, who've won two games out of 11, are sitting in eighth. I mean, you're looking at the league and you're thinking to yourself, your commandments and the United, where's, where are they going to chip the points away? Where are the Rangers going to get this kind of hope? Uh, and I think you'll find in the next few weeks, Celtic dismantle Kilmarnock twice. You'll see the reason why the champions elect again. And as you mentioned, the word it's all too easy. It is. Sadly, it is. We need a more competitive league. I don't think the competitions will come from Rangers for a while. And I just think you've got another possession. Uh, this could be a real period when they could really put the foot down. I think a Celtic really need to think. I mean, there can't be any complacency. There can't be any kind of... Um, feeling that the title was done but it could be in the next few weeks because you look at the, the run of fixtures they've got Kamarnock at home Kamarnock in the Cup St Mern at home Morton at home in the, in the Scottish Cup away to Tandice home to Livingston away to St Johnson and it's Aberdeen at Parkhead but that's, that takes you into February these next kind of six games could really put Celtic in a final and in a really dominant position in the league uh, it really is an opportunity for Celtic now the way that the way the kind of fixtures have, have landed now They've come through some tricky games. They've been to Pathology. Um, they've won obviously late on. It's just it just looks like a, a right good run of fixtures for Celtic to go and put the foot down now. Um, and if they can reel off five six wins, I mean, listen, they've won. What is it? The twelve wins in a draw in a row. If they can get four or five six wins in a row again, I think they're, they're, that's it. They're pretty much in touching distance of, of, of claiming the title again. Absolutely, uh, guys. It's been a pleasure, as, as it always is, talking to you this afternoon. But I think that brings to the end of today's Record Celtic podcast. You can keep up to date with all of the latest Celtic news uh, on Record Sport Online. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook as well. Gordon, Mick, thanks very much. Final pleasure. I want to get my slim fast shake. <laughs> and to everyone listening, we'll be back next week. Cheers. <laughs>